baseball is in full swing. NBA playoffs are heating up, and your NFL team is gearing up for training camp. Listen to the latest on the teams you love here on the Odyssey app. The biggest sports radio stations in the country providing unrivaled local coverage of their teams all in one place. Exclusive interviews with players, coaches, and team executives streaming live and always available on demand. Stay in the know with your favorite teams right here on the Odyssey app. Well, what's up, New Orleans? What's up across the Gulf South? And to you listening wherever you are at WWL.com or the Radio.com app. Welcome on into the show. We've got a lot to talk about tonight. The dog days of the sports year? No. I've never thought that because I'm a huge college hoops guy. Now nobody down here thinks that either because of what LSU basketball is doing on the court. They're 20-4. and The huge win yesterday against Kentucky that kind of rocked the college basketball landscape. You just heard the Will Wade show. Will Wade not on there, but great conversation with Chris Blair. Listen to that all hour long. Yeah, they're the talk of the town. They're the talk of the state right now, LSU hoops. We'll talk a lot of LSU hoops in hour number two when uh, we will have Tyler Nunez of Tiger Rag, Ralph Michaels of Wager Talk. We'll talk about the finish, the controversial ending to yesterday's game, the seeding impact. We'll also talk a little LSU baseball in hour number two. Speaking of LSU baseball, I've had a lot of people ask me, hey, uh, are you going to talk a lot more LSU baseball now that the season's here? The answer to that is, yeah, absolutely we will. Tomorrow we're planning a big preview show, trying to see if we can get uh, Coach Maneri or one of the uh, Tiger uh, members of the kind of Tigers coaching staff on the program. Hour one, though, uh, we got Mike Neighbors coming up at 845 to talk Saints. We'll discuss if they should make a move for Antonio Brown. Also, what the Joe Flacco trade means for Teddy Bridgewater. And I do think it has some impact and uh, might mean he's slightly closer. I don't think it's likely, but still slightly closer that he'll be back with the Saints next season. But let's talk some Anthony Davis here to start it off again. So yesterday we were watching the game with Orlando during the broadcast and the absolutely disgraceful performance by Anthony Davis. And yes, the Pelicans on top of that. 30-point loss, but Anthony Davis just three points, one of nine shooting. And then he goes into the post-game locker room and starts talking about, well, yeah, it's, it's about we. We didn't play well. We didn't come prepared. We didn't look like we wanted to be out there. And I told you last night, it, it just goes again to a complete lack of accountability for Anthony Davis. I've been speaking about this for two years. to some very intense pushback from some circles of Pelicans fandom. That's fine. We can all have our own opinions about that. I've said that many times on the year. I don't mind being the one to push a few buttons here. And certainly, if you listen to the show, you know that I'm not one who is afraid to share my opinion on things. But what we heard last night with the word I never came out of his mouth, it's typical Anthony Davis. I feel like I have to say this every time. I don't, I don't have a problem with Anthony Davis saying he wants to go somewhere else. I also think Anthony Davis is a good guy off the court. But the complete and utter lack of accountability by him and really by the Pelicans franchise as they groomed this young man into the superstar that he is has just been nonsense. It's been a vast and complete misstep by the organization and really by the people around Anthony Davis. There is a reason why that Anthony Davis could not elevate the guys around him. There is a reason why big-time free agents never wanted to come here to play alongside Anthony Davis. 
they didn't really feel like and, and the, the market size for some guys has something to do with that not everybody look at the guys they were able to get to san antonio indiana when they were good we can go up and down the list portland has recruited some very good free agents when they've been pretty good over the last decade or so but this falls on anthony davis and last night was just a microcosm of the six and a half years, almost seven years, that he has been here. Opinion now, if you read Scott Kushner's piece, and he was on Sports Talk with Bobby and Christian earlier tonight, just completely ripping this entire situation. Ripping Anthony Davis, Scott Kushner did. Really ripped the Pelicans franchise. The only guy he kind of defended here was Alvin Gentry, and I agree with Scott. The Gentry comes off the only one that looks semi-good in this because he's between a rock and a hard place. But the opinion here in New Orleans from, from Scott Kushner, you read the blogs we had on Ollie Cosell last night, uh, David Grubbs, the Bird Rights, Jake Madison from the Locked on Pelicans podcast. Uh, we've seen this at Bourbon Street Shots. We've seen this in The Advocate. We've now seen it in the Times-Picayune, and yes, in The Athletic, too. And certainly all over the radio airwaves. Almost unanimously now, the media has coalesced their opinion around this situation, and they're blaming Anthony Davis. This wasn't like this a month ago. In fact, during the first week or so, after he informed the front office he didn't want to play here, I don't really think this was it. I think most people blame the franchise. It's sad to know that the superstar here wanted out. Well, a lot of people defended Anthony Davis in his right. I was one of them. But the way that he has acted, the way that Rich Paul, his agent, has acted, the way that the NBA is acting here in this situation all has soured me to everybody involved in this rich paul looks like a goof adam silver looks like an authoritarian jerk the nba commissioner anthony davis looks like a petulant child and parts of the pelicans front office and i don't know if this is true i'm just telling you how it comes off this is how the, the, the layman's out there, they don't have inside information. This is what they think about the Pelicans organization in front office. It looks like they don't have a clue and they're being pushovers. So we had a report yesterday. I believe it was reported by ESPN or Mark Stein, perhaps, of the New York Times, great basketball reporter for decades now. First reported the NBA had come out and they said that they never threatened New Orleans with fines for sitting Anthony Davis. It was all about the integrity of the game. And there's some nuance and wording here that is way too deep in the weeds, I think, for a radio program. But that was the gist of what they told New Orleans. We had a source tell us today, and Christian first reported this on his show, and it's up right now at WWL.com, a source inside the Pelicans front office confirmed with us that was indeed true, that it wasn't a fine that the Pelicans were threatened with for sitting Anthony Davis, but the league was forcing the Pelicans to play AD, citing again integrity of the game. Well, I'm sorry. It is time for this franchise to grow a backbone and stand up to these bullies in the league office. This doesn't change completely my opinion on Adam Silver. I think among the, the major three or major four sports in the country, he's the best commissioner out there. 
very progressive. And again, I don't mean that politically. I mean progressive as in moving the league forward and implementing policies that have the league, again, more forward-looking and forward-thinking than the NFL, certainly Major League Baseball or hockey. That's what I mean by progressive. I think Adam Silver has done a pretty good job, certainly much better than David Stern did. But Adam Silver certainly is a proponent of enriching the large markets, the franchises located in those large markets. We, I told you on the air on Monday that Magic Johnson was involved with this, what looked like to everybody, tampering with Ben Simmons up in Philadelphia. Almost everybody who covered the NBA thought, well, Magic Johnson, the Lakers are going to get some kind of penalty for that. This is tampering on its face. I mean, this is exactly what the rule was about. You can't claim ignorance when you're the president of a basketball franchise. Well, lo and behold, and maybe this shouldn't surprise us, though it did me a little bit, yeah, Adam Silver looked the other way, did not penalize the Lakers or Magic Johnson again for another episode of tampering. It's crazy. They don't touch that. But here in New Orleans, they're forcing this franchise to play a guy who doesn't want to be here, looks like he doesn't want to even be on the court, The players certainly don't look like they want to play on the court with him, regardless of what they're saying. They've got a coach who doesn't want to play him. Maybe he does. Certainly, I don't believe he does. Look at what they did without him out there. This was a competitive team was playing their butts off. I highly doubt that the franchise and the front office wants to play Anthony Davis either from everything that we've heard and we've been told. Yet, they are allowing themselves to be strong-armed by the NBA on this. The one area of this that I just cannot wrap my heads around, I have yet to see the actual bylaw or anything in writing that says the commissioner can force a team to play a player a certain amount of minutes or a certain amount of games. And if that is on the books, that's even crazier. Think about this. This is Pandora's box, folks. Or all of a sudden, we're going to have a commissioner, whether it's Adam Silver or whoever succeeds him down the road, going to tell us, well, sorry, Pelicans, in, I don't know, 2030, you've got to play your top pick out of Duke because there's a lot of Duke fans out there. And let's be honest here. Uh, our television ratings depends on those Duke fans. Yeah, he's, he's not really good for you. He's kind of a locker room cancer. I get this. His teammates don't want him out there. They don't want to be playing with them. But we don't care. This is all about ratings. This is all about the league. So go ahead and play that Duke player. What are you going to tell us now that you got to play Frank Jackson because he's a Duke guy and the ratings would go up? This should be, and Mark Menard said this perfectly, the producer of Sports Talk. This should be a coach's decision on who he plays. It is the coach the coaching staff, and the front office that decides what's best for the franchise. It is not the Pelicans' responsibility to make sure the national TV ratings are good or ESPN's TV ratings are good when it hurts the franchise. Stop trying to please people in New York. Stop trying to please people in Los Angeles. Stop trying to please Magic Johnson. 
Stop trying to please Adam Silver and Clutch Sports and LeBron. How about you start pleasing and thinking about first the fans who pay big time money for season ticket holders to get in all year long and watch your product, the fans who are there every night, and everybody in this city who cares about basketball. There would not be a franchise here if you didn't have enough people that cared about this team. Say what you want about it being a small market or the fan base's size in relation to the Saints. There is enough of a fan base to support this franchise in New Orleans. But there won't be if you don't cultivate that, Pelicans. You've got to take care of this fan base first and stop worrying about everybody else. It's time that the people running the Pelicans grow a backbone. I have tremendous, and I really mean this, I have tremendous amounts of respect for basically everybody involved in running this franchise. But they've got to start acting like they care as much as the fans sitting up near the top of the Smoothie King Center. Because right now they don't. Looks like they care more about public perception and bending the knee to Adam Silver. I'm Seth Dunlap. We're just getting started. What do you say about this? Should the Pelicans thumb their nose at the NBA, risk possibly some kind of penalties, and sit Anthony Davis after the All-Star break? One more game before the All-Star break. That's tomorrow against Indiana. 504-260-1870. You can text us at 870-870. I'm Seth Dunlap, and this is The Last Lap on WWL. Friend of the program, Dan Feldman, who covers the NBA, just wrote an article about an hour ago, a column, and tweeted this out. Celtics reportedly believe Rich Paul, who is Anthony Davis's agent involved in this whole mess here, planted a story on Kyrie Irving leaving the Celtics. And the Celtics quoted in this article as saying, quote, it was cheap and underhanded. Yeah, shocker there. That Rich Paul and Clutch Sports are involved behind all of this. Is there a worse, more disliked, distrusted, dystopian entity right now in the NBA than Clutch Sports and Rich Paul? Look, if you're childhood friends with LeBron James and LeBron likes you and respects you enough to bring you under his wing, that's fine. That's LeBron's decision and good on you. That doesn't mean you get a free pass to go and act like you're running some kind of, uh, I don't know, NBA 2K fantasy league here and messing with other franchises without any repercussions. It's just gross. Here's a text from the 504. Good commentary, Seth, but don't forget Magic Johnson was a part in this myth. No, I haven't. I have not. I talked about that in the first segment. Text from the 504. I am a season ticket holder for the last six years. It's a disservice what the organization is doing. The people that sit around me were saying that they're not renewing. Some left with a minute left in the first quarter. Davis needs to sit. Davis does need to sit, Texter. He does. And I won't go over everything that I said in the first segment, but I will say again, it is time for the organization to grow a backbone. Stand up to the NBA. I don't care if it costs you a fine. I don't care if it costs you some other penalties. They're not going to dock your first-round draft picks. That's been proven. They haven't penalized anybody, really, for tanking. They issued some fines to the Spurs when they were sitting guys. 
My goodness. Ben Watson, who might be heading to Fox Sports to be an analyst there, um, he tweeted out a picture a couple of days ago of he and his son sitting in the stands of the Smoothie King Center watching the Pelicans. You know, that was the game. Uh, that was the, actually yesterday. That was the game that Anthony Davis scored three points and went one of nine, and it was a disaster. You think Ben Watson or his sons want to go back to another Pelicans game? Uh, doubt it. Let's go to the phone lines now. Terry in Marrero, you want to weigh in on this. Welcome to the show, Terry. Hey, Terry, what's going on? I'm going to put Terry back on hold. Uh, Logan, check on Terry. Let's go to Joey in Pearl River. Joey, what's up tonight? Hey, Jess. How dare the NBA use the word integrity when talking about their league offices and, and rules? I mean, what a... Yeah. What a contradiction in terms. I mean, come on. How many times have they taken away draft picks or, or actually uh, find a team for, let's say, uh, blowing the uh, uh, you know payroll out of the out of the park? Uh, you know, like yeah, just luxury tax. The only time I can remember Joey them docking a draft, and I, this is off the top of my head, uh, they docked the Timberwolves some picks um, for tampering, I believe. Uh, in the early 2000s, with a player, that's that's the last time. But it, that was deep into the weeds, and certainly doesn't isn't about sitting a player. Well, and and let's look at a Phoenix team that's been tanking uh, pre uh, All Star game for what the last couple of seasons. Right. I mean, fire sales happen out there as often as the fires have in California. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> right. <laughs> yep. So you know, um, the NBA. First, they've got to, the first thing they have to do is is maybe uh, develop uh, some backbone of their own where they're going to stand behind whoever breaks the you know breaks their bylaws or laws whatever they call them uh, you know across all thirty teams. I mean, you got to start somewhere, so start in house. Yeah, yeah, start in house. No doubt about it. I, I agree. Grow backbone. Get your house in order. Right, and I did just—I was right on that. It was Joe Smith's contract uh, in the it was it late nineties, uh, ninety-nine to two thousand when they had that lockout, and they, Timberwolves had an under-the-table agreement with Smith, and they did dock. And that was highly illegal, highly illegal against all of the rules written, and they docked the Timberwolves their next five first-round picks. Really, do you think they would have done that to the Lakers or the Knicks or the Bulls? Or one of the more prominent franchises? No, they wanted to make an example out of a small market team. It was David Stern being David Stern. What a joke he was. Heard my rants on him before. Text from the 318, listening in Bossier City. So glad to hear your show on 870. Go Saints, go Pels. Indeed. We'll take more of your calls here in 60 seconds after the news. Welcome back to the show. Talking to Anthony Davis and Pelicans. We'll get to the Saints. Antonio Brown, Mike Neighbors coming up in just a few minutes. Here's a text from the 504. I was at the Minnesota game, and they booed AD the whole first half. I think that really got to him, and he has not been playing good since. Well, you might be right, but boo-hoo. He brought this on himself, and if he is that weak-willed that he didn't understand the fallout that was coming here, then shame on him. He's got to be better. He's got to be more mature. He's got to be bigger than that. Okay, Terry in Marrero. Welcome into the show. You there now, Terry? I'm here, man. You got me? I got you, Terry. Welcome to the show. All right, look. Uh, thank you, man. Look, I thank everybody 
first of all, I'm going to tell you, I'm a, I'm a season ticket holder, right? Mm-hmm. And, you know, it is what it is. But everybody just needs to pump their brakes, calm down. What's going on, in my opinion, is they're just doing Anthony Davis a solid, letting him play out these games because they know you want to play in the All-Star game. So you're going to play these games out right after the All-Star break. He ain't going to play no more. So everybody just calm down, pump their brakes. Could be right. And uh, after, uh, after the All-Star game, they're not going to play him no more. That's all that is. You know, Rich Paul is doing what he do. I think he gave Anthony Davis some bad advice, personally speaking. I don't know what kind of agent you're going to be when you advise your client to walk away from $300 million. I'm just saying. So <laughs> if that's the advice that he's giving him. Hey, it is what it is. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, so, I feel I feel you, you know, Terry. No, it's good. Hey, well, let me ask you this because I'm not necessarily disagreeing with anything you said there. I think that might be the plan. They're going to have conversations over the next week. They have a week off before they play again. About I'm sure with the league about playing Anthony Davis. If Anthony Davis plays after the All Star break, and we see this sideshow that went on yesterday, um, what would you say to that? Uh, what do you I, think they would, would do? Then, then I would then I would be all in on what you're saying. I would be all in on what you're saying. I say, look, man, I'm not going out here and playing him. I'm not going out here and playing him and re- re- risking my future. You know, everything yep. I'm locked up in in him. So I will be there. But I, I just have, I just know that you know, they're just trying to do him a solid. They just yep. want to let him go out and play an All Star game. You know, and then after that, I bet you he don't play when the Lakers come here. I think <laughs> right. That's after the All. Was it next Saturday? I think. Um, yeah, Terry, that's a good call. We'll see. You, you could be right. I hope you're right. I guess kind of what my commentary was about tonight. I hope they grow backbone and they, after the All-Star break. They're going to play him tomorrow. It's going to happen. I know that. Um, but I hope you are right. Let's go to Mitchell in Marrero. Welcome to the show, Mitchell. Hey, Seth. How's it going, buddy? Hey, good. What's up? Uh, I, I kind of go along with what the uh, first caller just said. But also, I do believe that this organization needs to be strong. I don't think this organization is basketball strong. That's just too many weakness, too many bad uh, signing choices. Um, I think that was a poor thing when Anthony Davis done. I think he threw his uh, teammates under the bus, so they say. Uh, when you hear players talk about this is a player's league and uh, these uh, my teammates are my brothers and all that, mm-hmm. uh, I think this is something that could have happened after the season. But now I guess with us uh, ordinary guys, uh, we wouldn't throw – Two hundred and thirty million dollars away, you know. Right. Um, so I just I think it was a poor thing. I think AD shouldn't be playing. I think he's detrimental to the team. And if I can remember, a while back we had a gentleman. I think his last name was Kane. He was a center. That actually the organization told him they didn't want him around the team. He was still part of the team. Yeah. No. I, I, I look. I I can't remember off the top of my head who you're talking about here, but. Um... I, I'm just so conf- not confused necessarily, but I'm optimistic. Like these are smart people. Anybody who's thinking that Mickey Loomis or Dennis Lausha or Greg Bensel or, or even Dell Demps and Alvin Gentry, anybody who thinks that these aren't smart, real smart, savvy businessmen along with sports guys, they're sa- they're very mistaken. These are sharp guys that know what they're doing, even though if you talk about um, you know Loomis and Lausch and Menzel, who have mainly been involved with the Saints during their tenure here, they still know what they're doing here. They're strong. They can be strong. They can have backbone. Maybe they're getting it. Maybe they're getting it like Terry, the previous caller, said. Maybe they'll show it here after the All-Star break. One more before we got a break. Let's go to Roy in Algiers. Welcome to the show, Roy. 
Yes, hi. Thank you for taking my call. I just have a quick question because I, I just tuned in. The previous caller said that Anthony Davis took some advice from uh, Chris Paul. Uh, when did that happen? Rich and Paul. What kind of R- Rich, Rich Paul is his agent, I think is what he said. Ah, uh, Rich Paul. Yep. Okay. All yep. right. Uh, do you by any chance see Anthony Davis changing his mind? No, no. And I've heard some people, I'm not, uh, you're not the first person to ask that. We've had the callers pretty much daily ask the same thing. Is there anything that the Pelicans could do to keep him, to make him sign that Supermax deal this summer? The answer to that is is no. I, I have no idea what that thing could be that would make him sign that deal, but that, that ship has sailed. Even if when he told the Pelicans this in the back of Anthony Davis's mind, he still thought, well, maybe there's a slight chance that I could resign here if we get things rolling again and we make the playoffs and who knows what happened. Yeah, that's all sailed. With the distaste in our collective mouths for this whole process, and really, let's be honest here, the distaste for Anthony Davis and how he himself has handled this situation, nah, he's gone, man. Persona non grata right now in this city. Thanks for the call, Roy. We're going to take a break here. When we come back, Mike Neighbors joins the program on the last lap. Great conversation again on Anthony Davis and the Pelicans. Thanks for all the calls. Lots of texts as well. We'll revisit this conversation more tomorrow and really throughout the rest of the season until Anthony Davis is out of here sometime this summer. We will see. We'll shift our focus to the Saints now. A lot of the conversation here locally has been, are they going to pursue Antonio Brown? What's going to happen with Mark Ingram? All of those questions and much more. I'm going to broach here with Mike Neighbors, who's joining us. Uh, covers the Saints for CST and other entities. Mike, uh, how you doing, man? Last time I saw you, I think, was up at that dreadful NFC Championship game. At least dreadful ending. It was a good game, I guess, but dreadful ending. Oh, you talk about Antonio Brown. Please don't do it, Saints. Don't do that. Please don't. They got a good locker room. I hope they don't do that. But I know we're going to get into it. But, yeah, that that seems like a long time ago. But I think for the players, they're still trying to thaw out of the uh, game that was the NFC Championship game, I would assume. Yeah, yeah, indeed. Uh, Mike Neighbors at Mike Neighbors on Twitter. Before we get into all that, uh, you were letting me know you got a new podcast with Scott Shanley, a weekly Saints podcast. I'm really curious about this. And Zach Streif, I think, was your first guest. Tell us about this. Yeah, this is a good snack, I would say, for the Houdat Nation to kind of digest in the offseason. We plan to take a year-round, but it's called uh, Been There, Done That. And, you know, there are a lot of podcasts, Seth, but we wanted to approach it in a different way. We're not going to track free agents. We're not going to, you know, really have a lot of breaking news. What we want to do is have long discussions about the Saints with uh, players, former and current. We're going to have some coaches and a lot of personalities, and Streif was the perfect guy to kick it off. He had – so many great stories about his first year as voice of the saints. And he also talked about the team and we try to have a little fun too. We have a more likely segment where we give them some hypotheticals. We just taped our second installment with uh, the great Jim Henderson today. So that was a lot of fun. He has uh, a lot of good insight on how he approached uh, um, his first year without the new Orleans saints. And he also talked about how he may have called that NFC championship game. If he was still around and, and some advice to the NFL. So we're bringing in some big guests. We're talking, you know, Shanley obviously has a great Rolodex, and uh, I've covered the team for a long time. So what we want to do is have some extended conversations about the Saints from guys who played. And, you know, you know, this Peyton Breeze era is very unusual in the NFL, and so many guys have been a part of it. So uh, 
Check us out on Twitter at Dundat Podcast, and uh, we'll bring the Saints fans some good stuff. Oh, this is great. You know, I saw uh, Jim Henderson as I was leaving the press box to go down and and go cover the Sean Payton press conference. I have, you know, you've been around Jim a lot. I've been around him a lot, too. I used to be up in the booth every Sunday with him for the last five years of his broadcasting career. I have never seen him more dejected than he was at that moment. I mean, he was literally speechless. Jim's never speechless. He was speechless then, Mike. And I know you probably got into all this on your podcast, right? Yeah, I mean, you know, a lot of people around the country, to me, this this kind of typifies the Saints' plight in that NFC Championship game because, you know, a lot of fan bases can complain about bad calls. But when you have people on Twitter from Missoula, Montana, and uh, Bismarck, North Dakota, weighing in on how the Saints got screwed over, you see what a bad call it was. And, you know, we talked about the depth of of that call and, and how it will, you know, affect this team moving forward. We also talked to Streep about that in our first episode. But, uh, yeah, I mean, Jim Henderson, as you know, is a pretty even-keeled guy. E- even on the air, you know, it was, it was we talked about the uh, the River City relay, the, the tough loss they had against Jacksonville back in the day when our buddy Deuce McAllister was part of that lateral where they made that great comeback against the Jacksonville Jaguars. Then John Carney misses the extra point. And that was one of the more emotional calls for Jim Henderson back in the day. And then to have his last game be the Minnesota Miracle and then to be a part of watching that. I mean, it's been an emotional time for the Saints. It's been an up-and-down ride. But, yeah, I didn't see Henderson after the game, but you could tell his passion uh, for the Saints and really against the NFL in our latest podcast, and we'll release that on Monday. Indeed. Mike Neighbors, CST, and the Dundat Podcast joining us here. So let's get into Antonio Brown here. I've gone back and forth on this myself, and and I think I'm – I'm leaning your side here. He's a Hall of Fame receiver. The production that I could envision him with Drew Brees and then Michael Thomas would just be explosive. But, yeah, the off the locker room presence here, with the chemistry that this team had really for the last two years, it's been so special. I don't know if I want anything in here that's going to mess that up, Mike. Yeah, he'd make a great San Francisco 49er, in my opinion. <laughs> just, right. just, just go way out there out west. Yeah, I, I, I think that you know, there's a lot to pick from in free agency with wide receivers, and their their locker room, you know, in the Sean Payton era has been so sacred and so good in so many ways. That's why we this podcast is so special because there's so many guys. I remember after the NFC Championship game, going on the field after we wrapped up our post game show. And I'm talking to Pierre Thomas, and somebody picks me up from behind, kind of messing with me, and it was Lance Moore. And I remember all the great years covering those two players. That kind of, you know, kind of had the light bulb go off in my head about starting this podcast because I want to talk to guys like that about their years with the New Orleans Saints. But I bring those guys up because they were so integral to being great locker room guys. And you saw in the Peyton Breeze era when they kind of lost the locker room with guys like Brandon Browner and Kenny Stills. They had seven and nine years. They didn't have winning years. So Sean Payton knows how important that locker room is. I just can't imagine him bringing in an Antonio Brown. I mean, you can look at Eli Apple and his problems in New York, but I think that was a unique situation because he was familiar with the Marshawn Lattimore's and the Von Bells from Ohio State. They could kind of rein him in a little bit, and there was never a problem there. But Antonio Brown, that guy's been around the NFL for a long time. Is used to having his way in a lot of ways. So I just, man, I would steer clear of that guy. I really would. It's a great point. What do you think they do with Mark Ingram, Mike? He, I believe Mark wants to be here. I believe that he wants to, to set the records that he hasn't set, um, all-time records yeah. here for the Saints. But it comes down to money, you know this, and I don't know what's going to happen. 
Yeah, if he, if he goes, Deuce McAllister's uh, record uh, will be safe for, for a while at least. But, yeah, I, I think if he took a poll in the locker room, Drew Brees would have the most respect of any New Orleans Saint. But I would venture to guess that Mark Ingram may be the most popular guy in that locker room. And there's a few reasons he gets along with all of his teammates. But think of the way he handled the whole Alvin Kamara dynamic the last couple of years. I mean, you talk about Antonio Brown, all these egos in the NFL. I mean, Mark Ingram, to me, you know <laughs> – didn't have an ego at all. He has interviews with him after the game, has embraced him as kind of a big brother, and that just shows what kind of teammate he is. And I understand if Mickey Loomis and the Saints can't match an offer if somebody steps up and offers him something outrageous. That's the nature of free agency. But, boy, he'd be a great guy to keep in so many ways to counter what Kamara does. We saw when he didn't play in the first four games how the offense was a little bit different. And also, to me, the, the dynamic of how popular he is in that locker room because I really do think he may be the most popular guy in there. We're hitting on all the big topics with you here. It's the first time uh, I've talked to you on the show for a while. The other big question this offseason is, well, do they extend Michael Thomas? I am squarely on the record here, and this isn't anti-Michael Thomas, Mike. Uh, this is just me with the position and how it's being overpaid and how these teams who overpay at the wide receiver position, they're just never competitive. I do not think they should offer a, a, uh, a, a contract that is like Odell Beckham's or could exceed at $20 million a year to make him the highest-paid receiver in the league. I think that could hamstring the franchise. So I'm a, a hard no on offering that kind of contract to Michael Thomas. Thomas, but I am curious to know, and I think I'm in the minority, by the way, so I am curious to know what you and everybody else thinks on this. Yeah, I wouldn't have any other receiver in the NFL than Michael Thomas. I'll first say that. I mean, what he did without a complimentary cast, head getting out for most of the year, and it was cute having all the free agent guys catch touchdown passes against the Atlanta Falcons, but we didn't see the staying power there. It was really impressive what he did on so many fronts. I think there are more athletic guys in the NFL. You mentioned Beckham. You know, Julio Jones comes to mind, maybe DeAndre Hopkins. I'd lock him in. I see your point, though. You know, you want to keep the window of opportunity there, but you also got to keep some of these guys happy. But I think Mickey Loomis is so good with the cap, maybe he can get both of it done. You know, if you if you lock these guys in, you tend to you know kind of save maybe down the road a little bit and keep these guys happy. But you got to get him help and you got to keep him happy. I don't know, maybe if uh, you know, there's a there's some middle ground there. But I, I see your point, and I understand that because with Drew Brees, you know, turning 40, uh, the window's uh, closing and smaller and smaller. Seems like we've been saying that for years, and <laughs> right. maybe we'll say it four years from now. Who knows? But I think uh, you got to maximize that window. And, and also, another thing is, if you do save that money, to your point, with not a lot of draft picks this year, free agency is, is a little bit more important. Indeed. Does it concern you that in the last 20 years, I think this is since 1998, that the highest paid receiver in the league never won a Super Bowl and they've only made one Super Bowl? And I think this last year, only three out of the 11 highest paid receivers in the league even made the playoffs. So that's the kind of, I guess, that concern you. That's the kind of hamstringing with the percentage of the cap that I'm kind of worried about, Mike. Yeah, that if you're if you're arguing, we're going counterpoint to point. That's a good argument in your favor for sure. But but my argument would be, I mean, look at the track record of the Saints. I mean, they drafted Marcus Colston, and look at the staying power he had. True. Yeah. And then he drafted Michael Thomas, and look at the staying power he could potentially have. You know what's amazing is, I covered his uncle Keyshawn Johnson in Tampa, and Keyshawn Johnson was more than a serviceable wide receiver in the NFL, Seth. But his nephew Michael Thomas has. Uh, 
almost as many 1,000-yard receiving seasons in three years as Keyshawn did in his entire career. Now, if he has a 1,000-yard receiving season next year, he'll have as many as Keyshawn Johnson. Like I said, he had a great career. So I guess my point is I think he's earned the deal. I think he's earned the faith this organization has, especially with the lack of help. And if you give him that deal and you give him some help, I think they'll reap their benefits of that. It's a great conversation. And if I'm a betting man, and spoiler alert, I kind of am, Mike, uh, I'd probably bet on your side on this one because I do think the organization (laughs) is going to extend Michael Thomas. Before I let you go, talking to Mike Neighbors here at CST and the Dundat Podcast, your cover photo on Twitter is you and Dickie V, Dick Vitale, who we watched yesterday call that LSU game. What's the story behind that pick, man? I'm glad you asked me that. you know, we just started. A, I have a video production company, uh, and aside from my work with the Saints, and we just started a series called Errands, where we run errands with sports celebrities all over the country. We have them pick three errands, and we pick them up. We run errands, but beyond the errands, it's great the conversations we have in between the errands. So the next guy, I'm talking to a lot of people. We're doing this all over the country. We're going to run errands with Zach Streif in a couple weeks. And uh, he's pretty excited about it. I'm excited about it. I'd love to find a real, like a Volkswagen and cruise around with Zach Streif, <laughs> uh, maybe a, uh, an old school bug or something yeah. like that. But if you go to, if you go to YouTube and go to Aaron's and Dick Vitale, please subscribe. More episodes are coming. But Dickie V, you know, a lot of people think Dickie V is superficial and he's all fluff. Let me tell you something. When I started this project, nobody has been more loyal than Dick Vitale to me. And the three hours that I spent with him, Seth, I could have spent 12 hours with him. We watched his grandsons play tennis. We dove into his charity. I read the morning paper with Dick Vitale. You know, I've always been a big fan of his. But trust me, folks, when you see Dick Vitale on television, he's the real deal. He really is. I had a great time with him, and I look forward to more errands down the road. I love it. And Dick Vitale about to win a Lifetime Achievement Award from the Emmys. It's going to be great. Mike, I really enjoyed this conversation, buddy. Let's do it again very soon. Thanks for coming on. Always said. Thanks for having me on. I appreciate it. Absolutely. There he goes. Mike Neighbors of CST, uh, the Dundat Podcast, and, which I didn't know, Aaron's. There you go. I'm going to go check that out. I hadn't watched that. He and Dickie V cruising around. Dick Vitale. We'll take a break. We're coming back with your calls at 504-260-1870. What do you think, Saints fan, on everything we talked about there? Extending Michael Thomas, going after Antonio Brown. Mike says no. I probably say no as well. Mark Ingram. The Saints bring him back. You have to overpay a little bit. 504-260-1870. The text line is 870-870. And a text from the 504 gives us a Dick Vitale. Whoa, baby, on Twitter. We're back after this. Let's go right to the phone lines here. Pierre and Gentili, you want to weigh in on whether the Saints should go after Antonio Brown, try to trade for him from the Steelers. What's up, Pierre? Hey, what's going on, Seth? Good to hear from you tonight. What's up, man? Um, I was thinking because I was starting to salivate over getting Antonio Brown, just looking at how explosive that would be. Mm-hmm. But I do understand what you're talking about with the personality and the character issues. So if not Antonio Brown, who would say what, what, what would be a good receiver to go after? Well, they, they they would just have to sign somebody, and certainly not of Antonio Brown's caliber, either in free agency. May and look with and here's what Mike said, Pierre, and this is where I completely agree with him. I don't know if you need to expend draft capital and and player capital in trading for Antonio Brown, who's 31 years old, great receiver, Hall of Fame receiver, but he's not going to be the guy that he was in his prime. This franchise and Sean Payton and Curtis Johnson, CJ, have developed receivers. They've gotten out of the draft and not early picks. 
do you think that maybe they could develop Traquan Smith, who's on the roster, Cameron Meredith when he comes back, or somebody later on in the draft if they get him? Yeah, I think so. I don't think they need to trade for Antonio Brown. Thanks for calling tonight, Pierre. We're going to take a break. When we come back, we'll talk some LSU basketball. Great finish last night, controversial finish. I'll give you my take. Tyler Nunez, a tiger, a tiger egg, and Ralph Michaels, a wager talk, comes on in. Right now, though, we're going live on Facebook, WWL Radio Facebook page, our daily Facebook chat on Anthony Davis and why the Pelicans must sit him. Baseball is in full swing. NBA playoffs are heating up. And your NFL team is gearing up for training camp. Listen to the latest on the teams you love here on the Odyssey app. The biggest sports radio stations in the country providing unrivaled local coverage of their teams all in one place. Exclusive interviews with players, coaches, and team executives streaming live and always available on demand. Stay in the know with your favorite teams right here on the Odyssey app. 